0: This business card is a weapon of mass SEO domination, according to Google's New Beginners Guide to SEO, at least. In the age of AI, smart AI agents, spatial computing, and implanting chips in your brain, Google recommends business cards to promote your online business. What's next, Google? Yellow Pages ad? Guerrilla marketing by printing stickers and putting them in the toilets at your local bar? Six months after a series of devastating updates for many legitimate sites, this is the best advice they could come up with, and honestly, I'm getting a little annoyed by their attitude. So in this episode, we tried to do what Google could not. We put together a list of content sites that have grown through 2023. These sites have won the updates, and we've tried to identify what they do, why they may be winning, and how you can emulate them. And they surprisingly have a lot in common. So if you want real examples of real sites that are doing well in the current version of Google to help you on planning what to do next for your business, stay tuned. But before we get started, I want to say a quick thank you to BuzzStream who is sponsoring this week's episode. It's the ideal solution for high quality outreach campaigns and digital PR. I'll tell you a little bit more about them later, but for now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Atari Hacker podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be breaking down how seven of these sites are actually doing pretty well in Google, despite all the updates that have been affecting a lot of content sites. All of these are content sites, but they have diversified quite a bit. And they should give you a good inspiration on essentially what to do with your site if you've been affected and how to tweak things a little bit. In today's episode, I am with Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Good. As always, thanks, Gail. Cool. Uh, We're not going to spend too much time on that because I really just want to jump on this because we have quite a bit to go through. So let's jump on to the first site right away. And the first site is shavercheck.com. So I actually mentioned that site in uh, the Cyrus interview quickly because we were talking about comment section and that's one of the things this site as well. But just to go over a bit of an overview of the site, it's a DR30 website. It gets between 100 to 150k of traffic. It fluctuates quite a bit in HRFs. And the reason why is it because it ranks for some really large keywords like best electric shaver or like uh, electric uh, H shaver or something like this. And so when, you know, they jump from number one to number two or something, like the fluctuation can be quite big in the traffic estimates. But overall, the site is pretty stable, minus these big keywords that might jump in you know, a position one, two, three, like most sites do, really. And they have held up really, really well across all the updates. So like HEU, many core updates, etc. They're doing fine basically. They even had a boost for Black Friday, so it's kind of nice when you're selling electric shavers. Uh, it's interesting as well because it's a typical review site, right? So they look like a bit of a review site. I, I don't know if they run generate press, which is our theme of choice for like simpler sites, but it it, it looks like it, it, looks like it. And they are in a fairly competitive industry, the electric shavers. Uh, they're pretty expensive. As you can tell, I don't really know the price, but um, you know, between probably Three hundred to five hundred dollars for the high-end ones, and uh, they are competing with lots of large media sites. But they are actually winning quite often. And so, like, how do they do that? What do they do well? What is interesting about them? That's exactly what we're going to be looking at right now. So, yeah, and another thing I like about this site as well is that it doesn't require a degree to be an expert, basically. I don't think there's a shaving university or or a razor university out there. So you can have experience, but, like, expertise is not really a thing. There's no degree or anything like that. So very much like Derek from NAPLAB, for example, who, like, kind of, like, got into mattresses and has worked in this industry for a long time. He's just... An expert because he's been in there for a long time. That's the only requirement for it. I like this site as well because he doesn't have an insane social media presence. So some of the sites will show you they're doing really well on Instagram. They're doing well on YouTube. And and kind of like it carries over, I think, like the search behavior, you know, when people know you on another platform and Google you, that gives Google some branding signals that helps you. Whether the updates, these guys don't have that actually.
1: That's been a big sort of talking point recently. A lot of people are saying that branded search and the number of people searching for your Brand name makes a big difference, but yeah, could be that.
0: Yeah, I and I, I actually kind of buy into that. Like, I can't say for sure. It's more like a, it's more of a gut feeling than like a scientific observation. But it's like, from what I see, when the site has like a fair amount of branded traffic they tend to be more stable across the updates, at least. And that's I guess that's why everyone's like, oh, build a brand, build a brand, because essentially these are the sites that are stable across the updates. But these guys, they don't seem to have that because they don't really have much presence on any other platform. And what made me laugh actually is like, um, if you go on his like, best electric razors for men page, he literally has a section towards the top of the article where he makes fun of all the other roundup reviews ranking on Google and how they're essentially cookie cutter and, and pretty useless. Uh, and it kind of made me laugh because he's kind of like taunting people while winning the updates. So that's a, that's a little bit cocky, but it's working for him. This
1: is actually an interesting thing that I've seen across a number of the other sites we're going to talk about today as well. It's like they have that more of that like personality and like I'm making a direct observation or commentary on the industry or the, the product and not just saying what the product does. It, it feels like you're reading a review from a real person.
0: Yeah, it was an opinion. I think like the, the perspectives and the opinions are, are quite important and, and we find that in a lot of the sites that we're going to talk about today. And I think that's something that a lot of people lack like when they build their website, like they're pretty shy in the way they write, or like because they lack of experience quite often, they just don't have an opinion on things. That makes the writing a little bit more bland. And I think that's definitely an attribute of sites that are winning right now. Another thing that this guy is doing really well is the comment section. So I said he's not very much on social network. That's probably because he spends his whole day on his comment section. This uh, best electric razor for men page has 845 comments.
1: It's absolutely crazy. This is literally 80% of the scrolling of the page is is comments, and these are not just oh thanks for your your comment. These are like sometimes essay responses to the the questions people are. Are asking, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal here.
0: And he replies to everyone, so it's like you could argue he probably got four hundred something comments, and like the other four hundred is him. But I think he understands that, like, I mean, in the search quality rater guidelines they google actually highlights the fact that ugc is very important and and obviously we see that with reddit ranking with core ranking they, they love that kind of content again probably because it gives different perspectives inside one page you know so it's not just like a single point of view but rather many point of views being represented on the page and so like while most blogs including ours have been removing comments. This has made me reconsider <laughs> a little bit, because again, I've seen that on, on a few sites that we're going to mention today, actually, like the comment section being being quite active. And yeah, it seems to be working well. The other thing he does well is uh, something that starts to become talk more and more, and that's kind of like original product pictures. So he actually has real product pictures of the products he's talking about. It's not just like the photo from Amazon or whatever he found on Google Images. There is some originality here, and you can tell also because he has watermarked these photos. So there's actually like it says shaver check on every image. And I think that increases the trust quite a bit. So it's like well,
1: what's interesting about this one, though, yeah. I, will, I will say is that
0: there it's clear that
1: those these photos are taken. They're not the manufacturer's photos. It's clear to me, but they don't look that different to the kind of white box photos you would, you, you would get. I've seen some other sites out there. Wirecard is a great example. You know, they have all of the, the products together and like someone holding them on ratings.com or, or, or something like that it just shows that you're using and testing them a little bit more. They do kind of have that at the top with the all of the images, all the razors together. So I guess it checks that out. I just, I think they could have gone a little bit further there.
0: Yeah, I think the guy is like, is a bit of an introvert, you know, that's probably like, you know, I kind of like picture the guys like, doesn't go on social media, Uh, Doesn't put many pictures of himself here on the about page and just doesn't like to show himself. I don't know if it's him who takes the photos. Like, uh, my my guess was he might be using some kind of like service that e commerce stores are using where you know you can send your product and they take professional photos of it for you, etc. If you want to check such services, like one is called squareshot.com. So, you have a whole system, you send them that, they send you the photos, you approve them, etc. Could be useful for some people. He might be using that or he does it himself. I was going to say,
1: this is those are really, these kind of services are really useful. if you're not in the U.S., where it can actually be quite tricky Mm. to get all these products sent out to you if you're abroad.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty much it for the product images. Yeah, he's in Romania, so it's definitely not easy to get them. Another thing that I like is the writing style. I think it's something that's underrated. I feel like every SEO video I see out there never talks about actual... What the walls actually say. They always focus on, you know, what's the title tag, what's the keyword density, or like, oh look, it looks like an art- article and AI wrote it, so it's great. But like, what's really interesting is he has opinions, as we say, he calls the flows of products, but also the readability of the text. So it's pretty large text, things like 18 or 19, pretty smart because most people who buy an electric shaver are actually older people. So kind of matches the demographic, but most importantly, it's kind of like the way he breaks down his paragraphs and it's never more than like three lines it, there's always this kind of like it is variety it's not like three lines three lines three lines, it's like three line one line one and a half line two lines it, it it feels good to read basically and i can see how a lot of people probably read this pretty long content because it while the site is pretty simple in its layout it's also well thought through in terms of usability and because it's simple in layout it also looks good on mobile which is always a plus because most of the traffic in these niches is actually mobile. So I think, you know, if you wanted to train ChatGPT to write high quality review content, I would actually take this and have ChatGPT write writing guidelines based on the content, for example, like that's pretty handy to do. So it's a, it helps you write more like him. What
1: do you think about the affiliate link placement and like the lack of tables and and, and these kind of things. It's so another thing I'm I'm sort of looking at some some sites and seeing affiliate they're not,
0: density, right?
1: Yeah. They're not going really heavily on the, the all these tr- traditional affiliate elements or on ads.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, so like one thing that's interesting as well is that quite often he mentions the name of like a razor or something. Instead of linking with an affiliate link, he actually links to his single review first. So it sends you to his single review and then that will send you out there. So it's like, yeah, it's like you could argue that the monetization is fairly light given the amount of content on the page. So like the ratio of like What you would consider ads, ads for me is like ads, but also affiliate links slash affiliate widgets, conversion widgets, that kind of stuff, is lighter than most. And potentially that helps. Like, uh, especially talking to Cyrus about like being a quality rater, etc. he said he was looking out for these things. But at the same time, you know, you go on a site like RTings or something like that, and they have a lot of these, and like or PC Mag or whatever, and they're working fine. So I guess it's probably the big site bias here. Yeah, (laughs) when you're
1: a big site, you get away with all that stuff, don't you?
0: Yeah, but I agree. I think there's, um, I think that's an interesting, like kind of like toning down the monetization, which obviously probably means he makes less money. But I think because of how engaging the content is in terms of how it's put together, he probably gets people deeper in the page. So he has more chances of getting the click as well. So it's, it's kind of a trade-off, right? If your content is kind of shit, you have to get the click early because people are not going to stay long. If your also, is engaging, also, if
1: you go too far with that, you're just not going to rank and then not going to get any make yeah. any money. So, I mean, you, you have to make sure that you are at least in contention for, for that.
0: But I think that's a good point. Like potentially, like the same reason as like a lot of people have been decreasing their ad ratio. Like actually, it potentially like pushing too hard on the affiliate links is also an issue here. So I can't tell for sure, but it's an interesting thing to think about. All right, that's pretty much all I have to say about this site, so, But before we jump on to yours, let's actually have a quick word about our sponsor. Are your link building campaigns a hot mess, spreadsheets everywhere, incomplete contact information, you forget to follow up, and in the end, that nasty competitors of yours start ranking for your keywords? Well, BuzzStream may be exactly what you need. It's the outreach tool of choice for companies like Forbes, Captera, or Siege Media, and can be used both for traditional outreach and digital PR. Every time you come across an interesting link building prospect or website, just click on the Chrome extension to add them to your project and BuzzStream automatically finds all their contact information, social, and anything you'll need to be relevant when you pitch them. BuzzStream then works like a CRM that allows you to create outreach templates you can A-B test against each other and automatically follow up to boost your link acquisition rate effortlessly. So if you're someone who wants to build high quality links at scale with your team, check out BuzzStream on buzzstream.com slash link building. All right, thanks Buzzstream for sponsoring this episode. Now Mark, go ahead for your website.
1: Okay, so my site is safeintheseat.com. It's a DR39 website. It's got about 76,000 visits a month according to Ahrefs and it has been solid as a rock throughout the helpful content update and all the other updates last year. Now, one of the most interesting things that stands out to you straight away is the EEAT authority that this lady has within the child safety seat niche. She achieves a lot of this because she is a nationally certified child passenger safety something or other and actually look this up like how does one become nationally certified child passenger safety certificate well it's a $95 course on safekids.com so you take that you get the certificate and then that's, is that an exam that's you, or qu- you just pay the $95 so I believe you have to take some kind of like checkbox exam I don't imagine anyone's looking over to make sure you don't cheat or anything like that but Look, she's gone through the course. She gets to say this. She's been interviewed a few times on TV, for example, on Good Morning America. And they always introduce her as nationally certified child passenger safety expert. And this this kind of goes through, through all of her, her content. But it's not just like she's doing crap reviews and then adding this onto it. Like the quality of the content and ad- information and advice she gives is really, really good. Uh, to the point I think she's often detrimental to the conversions and the the amount of money she's she's making because there's just not that many links uh not many that many affiliate links she's not promoting the products like hard she's more like even her review content it's more about informing and educating the the parents in in this case who, who would be the her customers so she really goes hard on 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 that that side of things very little review boxes, affiliate links, CTAs, buttons, things like that. It's more just like even all her videos, it's more about how to install it, the pros and cons, rather than trying to get you to buy it. And so I think she builds a lot of trust by coming at this from a more informative angle.
0: Yeah, it costs her some money, though, I think. Like, it's not not as good as, like, a traditional affiliate site. At least I think she could have, like, an exit pop-up. Like, the thing is, like, she probably could keep her pages that way. And having zip pop-up that like sends you to the product that you've been reading about or something, and probably she could capture a lot of these conversions, I think.
1: Yeah. And you know, she does a lot of great things on her her in her content. She gets straight to it right away. She does very little fluff. She has all, all the products in hands, videos and photos, custom images, like the even the video editing is, is really, really good. However, she's still missing some basic things like authorship, quantitative scoring, comparisons versus other products. You know, a lot of the common things that even Google tells you you should do in your review, she's, she's not doing yet. She's still quite successful here. Similar to Sa- uh, Shavercheck, she also has a comment section, all her reviews. So that's another interesting uh, thing. Is I'm it active? Quite a lot. Relatively active. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people interested in, in this space. I mean, every parent... I guess that that wants to buy one it's not something it's not a product you're compromising on the quality of even in a recession right you want the best one the safest one for for your child so people care a lot about it and a lot of people don't know much about it and you mentioned that she could push harder on the monetization well maybe the reason she's not doing that so much is actually because she has non-affiliate monetization strategies in here as well which is really interesting the first is a consultation like a buying consultation she'll sell you so for 125 dollars, you get to fill in this form and then ask you all these questions and then not her, but one of her other experts who also has this certification I talked about earlier, will jump on a call for 15 minutes with you, figure out what you need, then go away and do 45 minutes of research and come back with the recommended product. So if you're just like, ah, oh, there's so much to read, so much to watch, like I don't have time to go through this, pay 125 bucks, go through that, and you will get your, your answer. So if you're in a affiliate niche that that, that could be, a thing in, then that's maybe uh, a type of product that you could consider developing because it's clearly working out well here. She also has a, a variation of that called the Car Seat Confidence Boost, where it's basically like, uh, I've decided I want this this product. Have I done the right thing? And it's just a quick chat. So you don't have all the the form or the the research uh, along there as well. So she's not even selling her own times, have uh, has other experts working for her, her there. Do you
0: think a lot of people take that? Like, is there any... Mm-hmm. Like I mean I'm I'm thinking of that?
1: I'm thinking from my own perspective if I was buying buying uh, a cassette like, for your dog I honestly <laughs> for, for a kid <laughs> I I honestly think this would be I mean $125 like the products are 4 or 500 dollars sometimes more anyway and to, for a lot of people like the time you save and not having to do hours and hours and nights of research is is going to be worth it uh so yeah but can't I'm, I
0: go to the shop and get free help like it's you know, sorry.
1: you can potentially, but I think this is more kind of your stay at home, you get unbiased help. She has the authority. She's the expert that not the local person down in Walmart that yeah is paid minimum wage. So but anyway, so similarly, she also has a number of courses uh, and she's actually split this up quite an interesting way. So she'll have buying guides for different types of children. So like for infants, for toddlers, for slightly older, older kids which are $39, and then she has a broader infant course, which is like how to use the seat, even some parenting advice for traveling and that that kind of thing in there, which is $79. And then beyond that, there's a $39 airplane travel course. So it's just this whole ecosystem she's built out around how to travel in the car, in the plane, wherever, with, with your, your kids is it's really interesting. And you were saying that you actually looked
0: up some of the sales numbers there, and it looked looked like there's yeah, quite a Yeah, so I'm on the infant course now, and there's like 49 reviews. Assuming like a fairly low percentage of people actually drop a review and they buy the course, like she's probably making some sales, actually. Like, I don't think she's making millions from it, you know, it's like I'd probably see hundreds of reviews otherwise. But I think it's a, a decent complementary income source. It depends how like big the course is and how much effort you put in there, but it's not even something you need to update very often. Like, you know, our courses, we have to update all the time. <laughs> like, an infant course in a, in a car, like, I don't think it changes very much. And so, like, potentially it's like a one-off piece of work that then she can just keep promoting and, and make sales and it's, it's a decent source of income i guess exactly
1: yeah so i mean that's a a big takeaway a lot of people have been talking about that over the last few months as well is like diversify your monetization away from just affiliate or just ads or at least have that plan about where you want to want to take things next and you i've know, been helping
0: A lot of members actually kind of like start with their courses and stuff. So it's like we have quite a lot of experience selling that stuff. Problem is like nobody was doing it because reviews were making so much money. (laughs) But now like people are actually looking at at these things and it's like, yeah, like I've in Platinum, I've talked to a lot of members, helping them on like the sales pages, etc. Potentially, I might make some some training around that based on like all the struggles they've had and everything. But it's cool. Like it's cool to actually see people starting to be successful with it as well and kind of like slowly transitioning to a model where they can not just rely on Google traffic, but also like they can run ads, they can have affiliates, they can be on social. It makes sense because they have their own products and so on. And so it's almost like evolving the business model Boy, it might not be exciting with your current level of traffic or what. Whatever you get, what it does is it opens these new avenues where you could you can potentially find growth. Sometimes easier than finding growth on just Google organic. So it's like I would highly encourage people to follow that, even if early on the numbers might not be as exciting as it might have been when you published 500 random reviews where you never seen the product, basically.
1: So I mean, speaking of monetization options, one other thing that that she does that's really interesting. Is she's on the Amazon influencer program, which is where you're creating informational videos about products and you upload them directly to Amazon and it can actually appear, you know, on Amazon, when you have the like sometimes four or five product images at the left, it can, it can appear there or in different, pa- different places on the, the product page as well. So, and if people are seeing them and then buy the product after watching your video there, you get affiliate commission, I'm guessing it's working her for her. Cause she has a ton of videos. Like she's doing these uh, probably a, makes a, good a money. Lot. actually. Yeah. And these are not just quick phone videos which can absolutely work but sometimes you're like 1 hour of her putting a seat in a car and like you know showing you through through all the in, ins and outs of it it's crazy so i mean that alone tells me that, that it's working she has a bunch of uh, streams scheduled as well and it's it's like
0: yeah it's interesting amazon's really becoming a a, a video platform for people who review products etc like it's it's really becoming a thing and it's like if this girl I'm, I'm sure this girl makes like decent money with her business like with when you add up everything if she spends the time doing this i think she probably like it pays quite well because it's easy to drive traffic if she she knows how to produce videos because i've seen her social media it's pretty good these are expensive products so it's like she gets probably like 20 30 bucks per sale or something and that, that kind of adds up, especially when you don't have to drive the traffic. It's quite powerful.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's a good point. Like speaking of social media, that's the other big takeaway from this. Is she's really big on social, but it's not. She hasn't just taken her blog content and thrown it up there. She's actually put some effort into repurposing uh, to make you know short form videos that are specific to each platform. So she's got all the music stuff going on on TikTok. You know, slightly different to the way she does it on Instagram. Slightly different the way she does it on. On YouTube and it works. Like again, she gets introduced as nationally certified child safety technician and TikToker when she's being interviewed.
0: Does she do brand deals as well? Do you think she gets sponsorship because she's quite big on Instagram, right? It's like uh, I think from from what I've seen, she has seven hundred forty-nine thousand followers. Yeah, which which uh, is is massive. She can do brand deals. She can get paid quite well, I think.
1: She is the baby car seat lady. She is, she's right at the top there.
0: Yeah, but like that shows you how you can pick like one product category and then actually make it a business, which is, it's not obvious that you could make a content business Around like that one product category, but I think she makes good money. If you add up everything, she probably gets brand deals. She has the Amazon stuff. She has the courses. She has the affiliate, and yeah, it's like I think, and probably she gets some money from YouTube as well because uh, AdSense.
1: Overall, I just think it's a really good example of going all in in one right, like really small part of a niche, and then just just dominating it and be being so successful and such an authority that uh, you know all these opportunities uh, come to you.
0: Yeah, it's like it, and it, the diversification effort is really good as well. Like that's what a lot, kind of like the holy gray people are like aspiring to right now, especially as Google is just more turbulent. And this is a good blueprint to look after. I do think she could do a bit better on her site. I think like the writing sometimes is a bit heavy. The call to actions are not very good, etc. Like I think honestly a bit of CRO and she could make probably quite a bit more money. But pretty good effort overall, and 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 I'm sure she's pretty happy with where she's at. She's at. Okay, so my ne- my next site is. So it's a DR54 website that gets 257,000 traffic, according to Ahrefs. They started 2023 at 220,000 traffic, and they finished at 290,000 traffic. So it's decent growth, right? It's like it's a 30-something percent growth over the year. A lot of people wish that 2023 went that way. So I think that is pretty successful. And what they do is they basically review backpack, but they, they talk about traveling in general, I think. Uh, they rank for keywords like travel backpack, they rank for keywords like best waterproof backpack, best backpack for college, etc. And they have this kind of like post format. So one of them is, for example, packing list. So they have like hostel packing list. And they just, I guess it's a keyword, you know, and they write this article, but what they really do well is they have this kind of like custom built widgets where they, you know, they put the photo of everything and then you have these. Dropdowns with like the items in there, and you can buy them in different places. It highlights if there's a deal, etc. Like it's it's really well made and and interactive. And the reason why is because the guy behind the website is actually a web developer. Uh, he quit his job and he's he's a good web developer. And you can tell this website is like a masterclass in building a really 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 good looking site. And we'll talk a bit about more, but let's focus on the on the way they make money for now. So they actually have. Reviews. So, like, they either have the packing list, but they also have like single reviews and roundup reviews. And they have actually a membership, which I'm not very convinced about, to be honest. It's called Pack Hacker Pro, and it has no ads on the site, early access to their video, pro deals, so I guess discounts. That's probably like the most interesting part to me and giveaways, basically. And they charge $90 per year, I think, for that. I'm not sure how good that monetization is. It's good they start, they tried, but I'm, I'm not too convinced.
1: It almost feels like a bit of like a Patreon thing, like you're you're joining yeah. kind of to support them at the same time.
0: Would you support a backpack website though? It's <laughs> I mean,
1: probably not because you go on in there, you buy the backpack and then you probably don't come back again. Like it's, it doesn't have that much of like a recurring community Well,
0: actually, they have a YouTube channel that has 288,000 subscribers and they have a second YouTube channel with 80,000 subscribers. So the first one is the Backhacker one. And I guess like, you know, if I look at their most popular videos... Actually, it's packing tips, etc. like why are slings good or top 10 sling bags, etc. Like They actually stay on topic. And they have another one for reviews, which is 80,000 subs as well. So they, they're actually building a bit of a community around okay, the brand. Cool. And one way they make money as well is they actually get sponsored. So NordVPN actually sponsors a bunch of their YouTube videos. So that's another income stream for them as well, the sponsorship. And I think that's a good one. I mean, we do this for the podcast, for example. That's something that if you want a decent other income stream, getting sponsored works, but it only works if people actually follow you. If people don't care about you, nobody wants to sponsor you, basically.
1: What's interesting is they actually have they get sponsors for their individual posts as well. So the hostile packing list is sponsored by, by uh, REI. Uh, so they've, they've kind of gone to that level as well. I haven't seen that very often before.
0: Yeah, and I think the reason why is because their posts, as I said, they're masterclass in web design. So if you open like the best laptop bag URL, for example, you'll have like this beautiful header with like the title in the middle and all the backpacks around. You have that table of content, but then it splits the content into with like on the left you have this really, really high quality photos. I think it's some of the best photos I've seen on a small publisher site. They're really good at that too. And on the right, you have the content, but it's like on a narrow column, it's easy to read. It's beautiful, it's really well made. Again, like the ratio of like affiliate links, they are affiliate links, right? But it's not like too much in your face. It's like they have the widgets, like they have the widgets for individual products, etc. but they don't, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think you, you highlighted something, maybe, the, maybe too many affiliate links is not a good thing anymore. If you click on like a backpack, again, they link to a single review very similar to Check. which again, it's an interesting thing to see this kind of like site architecture win right now, whereas most people would just put as many affiliate links as possible. Now you might want to like go a little bit uh, lighter on that. And if you open a single review, same, like they have the, the video on top, but then they have quantitative scoring very much like NapLab does. They have pros and cons widget. They actually have a poll on the look of the backpack that they use Instagram for. So people vote for it. And based on that, they show the results with all the specs, etc. And then, yeah, the photos are, like, really, really good, high quality. They even have some animated stuff, et cetera, like it's it's a masterclass. I like also that they have a usage timeline, right? So they actually kind of like have the initial state of the bag and then like they make an update two weeks later, four weeks later, etc. And just like you have that timeline at the end of the review. So they're able to tell you how it gets used with time, basically. So like this is, in my opinion, the strongest point of these guys is like they're amazing at photos and videos and web design, basically. And it's like the information is, is also good, but the, the whole packaging feels really, really premium. And yeah, they grew quite a lot last year and I see why. It's, it's a very, very high quality experience. They have no e-com, they have no, none of that, etc cetera. It's a pure affiliate site, but it's an affiliate site done at a very high level. And I really like it. One thing they do as well, quite well, is their core pages. So that's something that we mentioned in our EE80 blueprint, actually, that every proper business has pages like our team, careers, how you rate and the way you review products, if that's the main thing you do on your site, your review site, like how you do that, what is your system, et cetera. And most of the sites, the review sites that I've seen doing well after these updates, this all have this kind of stuff. So like building these kind of like core pages to your business that explain who you are, what you do, et cetera. And you need quite a few, not just one or two. I think is extremely like... When Cyrus I talked to Cyrus as a quality writer, he was telling me basically, like when I see these pages in the footer, I don't even need to open them because I know this site is legit. Whereas the average small website will just have like a half fast about page and like a contact form seven on the contact, on the contact page, and that's about it. And so building all these core pages, I think also helps. But the experience is probably the biggest highlight for me of this site. Although I think they have one thing that could be done better, and that is giving information about who created the content. There's very little author info. There's no author pages. You can't find them on the web, etc. So I think on that end, if they wanted to be even better they could improve on that but it's still a very good site it,
1: it kind of goes to show that when you kind of build up this initial impression based on all these elements like the design those pages you mentioned and like you know the the different things you're doing on your your site a quality rater would would come to that and and have like a great initial impression be much more likely to give you favorable ratings for for various factors so
0: it's not just that but i really think that's how a lot of big sites get away with it like with average content it's just like they put a pretty well put together site together and they put average content on it, And the and con- you know if you were putting this content on like a default general press install it would look like terrible and you'd be like oh my god what a horrible site but then you put it on these sites and it's so good like it looks it looks so uh, premium and professional that it doesn't even matter as much that the content is not as deep because of the it's package so it's like that's kind of like that's why when google talks about page experience it's not just about content, it's about how you present it and the impression you give to people, how they feel about it, because that's influencing how long they stay on your page, how long they might take to go back to Google, etc. And these metrics actually become ranking factors, you know?
1: Yeah, and people are people at the end of the day, so you have to remember these like inherent biases they have about, you know, first impression and all that, it's like, it it matters.
0: Yeah, okay, well, that's pretty much it for this side. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so the
1: next one is kind of the polar opposite of this, where Pack Hacker is a beautiful site and clearly has had some very skilled uh, developer or even team of developers working on it. This next site, not so much, but they're still doing pretty well. So it's doctorsofrunning.com, And what's really interesting about this site is it's not built on WordPress. It's built on blogger.com, if you remember, which is Google's something of a competitor to non-self-hosted WordPress.
0: People used to spam it and rank it back in the day. That used to be an OG parasite, you know?
1: Web 2.0. What was it called? Web 2.04. Not farms, uh
0: no, just you just you'd spend more two but like it's like you would do that on Squidoo, you would do that on, on these. Like, yeah, a, li- a link wheel, that was it. Link wheels, yeah. yeah. Okay. So but that's different. You could also rank them. So all that's to say that
1: they're using this somewhat archaic blogging platform, and there's a lot of issues that it brings up with site structure. So for example, they have an article which is the best running shoes of 2024. The URL is doctorsofrunning.com slash 2022 slash 06 slash best running shoes for walking dot html. You can see the problem there. All of their URLs are tied to the date and that's potentially would or is causing issues. But despite that, and despite the look of the site, which is again, it doesn't look great on initial impression. It's not terrible. There's clear like product in hand. You know, there's one person here, a couple people here on the the photos. That looks cool. So there's a level of authenticity that's, that's shining through with this, and we'll dig into that that more. But the initial impression is nowhere near as as let's say professional as uh, as something like Pack Hacker in the the previous example. Yet despite all that, this site is is ranking really well. It's dr38 it has 160k traffic. Again. Some small fluctuations, but overall doing quite well throughout the, the the last year. And I think that because of all these problems, that's going to help us to isolate what they're doing and maybe how that's going to impact their, or how that has impacted their success. First and foremost, again, I'm coming back to this, EEAT. One thing they do really well here is that the owner of the site and all of the writers and senior writers, they call them contributors, are doctors like um, of physical therapy. So they're PTs who also enjoy running. You go to the about page and all their credentials, all their degrees, their postgrads, their marathon times, half marathon times, 10k times, all that is is in there. It's really 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 strong. The only people on their team who are not doctors of PT are is their content manager and an audio engineer who I think helps do their their podcast. But even those two are are big into to running.
0: And you can Google them as well. Like if I actually put their name in Google, like I go to their LinkedIn profiles, etc. Like it links back to the site. So it's not just like oh we claim we are this on our site, so we rank. It's like. The rest of the web reflects that as well, you know?
1: And there are photos of them, photos of them running, photos of them with the, the shoes throughout. So it's really strong there. They also, they're very tagline on, on every single page is physical therapists using clinical analysis to discuss the art and science behind running and the stuff we put on our feet. Great. Their Instagram profile—it doesn't say blog. It says I'm a physical therapist, basically. Their positioning of how they're talking about the the shoes is honestly found it difficult to read. It was quite complex, very technical. Clearly meant for people who run, who are advanced runners, who know the ins and outs of stuff. Uh, and so when I was reading it, I was like, wow, these guys really know their stuff. If I was into running, I just I felt like I I should trust these these people. Based on what they're saying. I didn't understand all of it, but I felt like I should I should trust them. They did have some introductory, like beginners' guides. They have a section called Running Science on their site, which just has informational articles. And this is like how various angles in your feet and you know distances between various points and the way you strike the ground impacts things. And I've ran, like I've ran half marathons before. I've I've seen I've I've gotten into this stuff a little bit. Everything I've encountered here is just two levels above that. And I think their willingness or their desire to really help people and provide information shines through so much stronger than them trying to sell me a shoe. And that's why I think everybody, including Google that uh, comes across the site, trusts it. One other thing they're doing as well, it's quite interesting. They're going multi-format. So they have a podcast, which is by all accounts, very successful. I think it's one of the more popular running podcasts podcasts out there
0: it probably gets them branded search actually that part like it probably gets them the the brand stuff actually
1: so coming coming back to this again like how can you build a brand it's not just about faking a few signals it's about actually doing it so this happens happens naturally i think similarly you know the the community side of things is really strong they have a strava running group uh running community so all of their followers kind of race each other for who has the best time and there's various sections there which i thought was pretty cool and they also in their reviews the format of the review is very interesting again doesn't look like your typical amazon affiliate review post there's very little in the way of ctas a lot of when they're talking about other products so alternatives they'll actually link to their review on that product rather than directly to to amazon Again, that's a commonality we've seen a lot today, which is again, very interesting. They include video, their own video in every reviews. They do have their own grading system as well. In their reviews, they don't have uh, what I would call a proper quantitative scoring system. However, they do break down each shoe into fit performance, stability, value, and give it like an A or a B or a B minus. But what's even more interesting here, and I haven't really seen this done very often, is they have two or three reviewers give their, their grades. And they're, they're often quite different in the perspectives that, that each one has. So this this really gives, in this case, of the one I'm looking at, like three different perspectives on the on the shoe. And I think that adds a lot of value to um, to the- It's quite review.
0: interesting because I actually picked a running site as well. I didn't realize you picked one. Uh, I picked a running site called believeintherun.com. So there are 55 sites, 239K traffic, they started 2023 with 100k traffic, they finished at 250k. So big growth actually for that site. Bit nicer looking than the one you have, but also lots of commonalities. And one of them is these different perspectives. So when they actually review products, they tend to have two or three reviewers and they kind of like have sometimes three auto boxes at the bottom of the article. And then it's like for each section, like the, the reviews are pretty short, actually. Like, you know, they'll be like what we like, what we don't like conclusion, like, basic, but, like, for each one, they would have, like, a paragraph for each reviewer. So they put the name, column, and what they say about this, and the other name, and what they say. And I think, like, the different perspectives is very interesting, because we find that, in share in, in the comments. We find that on this site. We find that here. Maybe we didn't find it in the um, in the car seat review site, but I think the car seat review site is such a small niche, and she's so authoritative on social media, she probably gets away without having perspectives. But that is something that looks like google likes to see in content it's like not just one review, but multiple people what they think so like putting even like quotes on your content of what people say online or something like that potentially could help actually
1: another thing i saw which was quite interesting again talking about that like not looking like a traditional review site kind of thing is that doctors are running they don't focus that much on roundup reviews they have a few but I'd say 80% of their content is single product reviews, and that's why they're able to li- link around and do all that kind of stuff as well.
0: And a lot of these sites do that as well, like Shavercheck does that. Same, like Believe in the Run, they actually do that as well, so most of their content is single reviews. And I think that's kind of like, a, it's almost like a site architecture, kind of like way of thinking, and kind of like essentially topical authority, you could say, <laughs> that if you actually cover all the topics that are inside your roundup reviews, then you kind of like a whole hub that pushes each other up, and you tend to rank better, so on top of the perspective, you also have like the pages that cover all the subtopics of your main roundup preview, big keywords. And that probably helps you actually. I, th-
1: I think it's also a credibility thing. Like if I'm reviewing yeah. uh, the best shoes for beginners or something, and I was like, okay, this is good, this is good. Here's some alternatives. I'm just linking to Amazon it's like, okay, so, so what, you're just saying that's good in a link, like, where's the trust in that? But if, if I instead link to a full review I've done where three doctors of physical therapy have worn the shoes and have photos of them doing it, and there's a video yeah. and a podcast discussing it and all that stuff, then, okay, there's adds a lot more trust that way, you know?
0: Yeah, but it changes a bit the way you, you plan your site as well, as if you think about that. Like, I can see I can see the thing. It's like, basically, people cut a little bit of affiliate links, instead do more internal linking to pages that are related to the subtopic, and then they add perspectives to the page, and that kind of helps. So, like, you, you can see how it's kind of, like, shaping a little bit, like, a formula that seems to start to repeat itself, basically, which is interesting. One thing that I like also about about believing the Run is that the, the page experience is quite different. So, like... You had your site built on Blogger. It's not very good. The, the web design, to be honest. However, Believe in the Run actually does. It's a beautiful site, actually. They do it quite well. So, like, for a single review, for example, like, the top, most of the page, is going to be a giant picture of the shoe, like, but dirty, you know? Like, it's the, they just went for a run or something. And you can see it's not just come out of the box. It's in context with the title. Then you get some kind of, like, TLDR box with, like, all the stats. So they don't bother writing about the stats. They just make... A box with it, so it's like you know the weight of the shoe, like the the height of it, what type of uh, run it's for, the price, and the key features. So they have that, and they give you like a couple of photos, and then they just jump in to that to the content basically. And the content is mostly their perspective. They don't even bother with that. But they also have same as your site, same as Doctor of Running. They are, they also have like unique images that are in context and you can see they've used it. There's no way you could find this on the internet. And uh, essentially it's like, it's a first, it's a perspective really. It's like people taking a photo as they're running with it, showing how it gets used, showing how it, where it gets dirty, etc., and giving their opinion. And not, not, the stats are a tiny part of the article, you know?
1: I think the first impression I have when looking at Believe in the Run, it's just, it doesn't look like a- an, it's like an e-com, site. It looks yeah. like an e-com site, you know, they've even got yeah. that Shop Now apparel link at the top, which goes to a, some kind of Teespring style. It's, it's it's merch, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, it's merch, basically. Even their logo, like the, if you notice, they got a registered trademark symbol on their logo. So they've taken the time to trademark that run logo, which is, I think, it's pretty cool. And it just, it's a small thing. And it's not going to make a huge amount of difference, They're like, but it builds up this picture of like a, a real brand, you know?
0: They're a real company as well. So one thing that you might notice is they have their address in their footer uh, and the times when they actually opened and closed and everything because they actually have an, uh, have an office and most of the people who contribute to the site actually work in real life next to each other. They're in Baltimore in the US. And so and oh, they, they organize... They do. Like Weekly
1: runs every Thursday at six thirty. So if yeah. you're in Baltimore, you want to go uh, have a run with these guys, you can. That's pretty cool.
0: But like that shows like real company stuff. You know what I mean? It's like that screams like different. It's not just like a random review site. Even though they are a review site, really, like in essence, it's a review site. But like that's the thing. It's like you see sites like that, that are rightfully gaining quite a bit of traffic in these updates. Like these guys, two and a half x their traffic last year, right? When mm-hmm. most people dropped their traffic, and it makes sense that Google would rank these sites over you know, a random Amazon affiliate site where low effort has been put in, basically, because if these sites exist, then they deserve that traffic. And so we have that section in the authority site system where we tell people, like, how credible are you? How much value can you add to the niche, etc.? And I think it's something that people may have ignored a bit because dollar signs in the eyes or something sometimes. I think yeah, uh, I think it's
1: partly Google's fault for rewarding the kind of cookie yeah, cutter true. stuff for so long. And so it was, it was a path of least resistance, right? Like, so everyone everyone did that. But now things are changed. I think it's time that, that people are choosing niches or like building businesses, that they got to take this stuff like a lot more seriously and get involved in the, the space.
0: It's almost like the level of seriousness you need to have is similar to if you were starting a YouTube channel. Like it's like, would you ever start a YouTube channel on drone flying without owning a drone or having never flown a drone? Like probably not, right? It's like you'd probably get destroyed in the comments and nobody would watch your videos. And it's like, yeah, it's like the level of of credibility is now now very important and people need to think about that. But, you know, higher barriers to entry may seem like a negative thing. And to some people it is. Let's not go around the bush. But it's also an opportunity because essentially it means less people can enter many markets because they lack of this experience or this expertise. And so that means, even though I personally see like the traffic from Google declining over time to like you know various things like AI, et cetera, slowly declining, I don't think it's going to die, just maybe you're going to be a bit less than it was, you'll also be sharing that traffic among much less players. So essentially, the people who make it can potentially make big bank if they actually make it work. And these guys are proof of that, right? It's like 2.5x traffic in 2023 where many many blogs lost traffic. And so like the cost of running their company is probably a lot higher than like an average share as well, right? But finally Google is starting to understand a little bit more what the good sites are. I think like the um, all the spam problems have overshadowed completely like the attention of people because like the parasite SEO shows up a lot, the spam stuff shows up a lot, all that stuff, but like these sites they're still like a minority because Google has been grooming the internet for 10 years to make cookie cutter sites and rank them. And so, like, most websites are cookie cutter sites at this point. And so, there's very little to push up. And it's like, I feel it's almost like when you manage to like hit that, potentially there's like a big upside for the people who actually get in that zone that Google is starting to figure out. I expect they will refine it a lot this year. It's definitely not there yet. But there's a bit of a glimmer of hope for the people who are like real content creators, basically. And so it's negative and it's positive at the same time, I would say. To go back to Believe in the Run, one thing that they also have that's interesting is they have a shoe finder tool, which is essentially kind of like a quiz. So you click on this item and they tell you like, oh, do you have white feet or narrow feet or so like what type of run do you do? Do you run marathons or do you run like five kilometers or that kind of stuff? And then based on that, they will actually recommend the shoes for you. And that's something that I've seen several sites do. That's
1: actually, so the first example, I had a safe in the seat do that as well. She has like a video questionnaire that the, the start it's like, what, like how old is your, your kid? And then, you know, like a few other, other questions and she'll but give you recommendations based based on that.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of like these quiz builder tools that you can take off the shelf and build something like this with it. Uh, I think she uses Video Ask, I think, for, the, for this one. So that's cool because you can actually record videos, but if you don't want to record videos, there's actually, you know, these kind of like quiz tools that allow you to do that. And that is like a really, really cool way to push people to the right product and make kind of like a tool on your site and people like that basically. And that can make you money because you push people to a product, they click the link, you make money. That is... Highly monetized without plastering affiliate links on your site. So maybe what you do is instead of plastering affiliate links on your pages, because we said pages with less affiliate links tend to do better, is you put more call-to-actions to your quiz on your pages. Be like, hey, can't find the perfect shoes using this review? Check out our quiz. And that's an internal link.
1: It's interesting as well, because this is what... Product owners, if you have an e-com or a course or some other kind of service business, you're not plastering affiliate links like heavily throughout your your content. I mean, you, you might have, have some, but you're having kind of like those internal ads towards the, the service or the product or the the course that you're you're selling. And this is kind of the same thing. You can do that without looking like you're, you're kind of like heavily promoting the, the affiliate product. Yeah,
0: and it's an internal link. Like to Google, it's not gonna look like an ad basically. So that you can kind of like hack your way through that. Because obviously if you put less affiliate links, you're going to make less money. But if you put call to actions to this instead, you're potentially going to recoup that money. And that's kind of like a cleaner way potentially of monetizing your site. You create info content even and you put you drive traffic to your to your quiz basically. These guys also do the core pages really well. So if you go on like the author pages, they have like large photos of the authors like running. They also have their running stats. They also have the how our reviews work. They have the media kit as well. They have a profile on Strava. That's like the, the runner stuff. It's really good basically like in terms of core pages, again that's a good example showing you that they're doing okay. They also Decent on YouTube, they have ninety thousand subscribers and one hundred thirty nine thousand subscribers on Instagram. So they have a bit of social as well. Potentially that drives brand searches. Can't tell for sure, but like it's something that probably helps them. So there's a lot going on for this site. I think it's like it's also a good example of like an affiliate site that looks like a real company, not like a shady operation. And it's good to see. Google not hating on it. Because like a lot of people are like, oh, Google hates affiliate sites, et cetera. I think it depends how you do it. And we have many more examples, by the way. So we actually, this is a couple of examples, but we're going to release more examples inside Otto Hacker Pro, Otto Hacker Pro Platinum. So we're going to make regular posts sharing some of these to show you guys examples with some breakdowns, etc. Just this podcast is already 55 minutes at this point when I'm recording, so we won't be able to do all of them. But that's pretty much it for this site, unless you want to add something.
1: No, let's move on to the next one, which is, uh I'd say, more of a dodgy-looking site. Um, at first at first glance, AudioFileOn.com is the, the website. It's DR41. It's got 80,000 traffic, according to Ahrefs. It has had something of a volatile history. It went down to almost zero at one point two, three years ago, and I think that was because I had a look on archive.org Wayback machine, and you can see what sites looked like at certain dates in the past. And they changed their design very, very heavily in 2021 and 2022. So I think that there might have been some technical issues there. And I'm sort of starting to build up a picture of what's going on here. And there are two cases for audiophile on my mind. One is... It's an affiliate marketer who's bought this. It's a drop domain, wow. and they're doing a bunch of interesting stuff. And the other is that it's just a guy that really likes these products, and you know, it's maybe not that tech savvy uh, in terms of building websites and marketing, and just wants to to talk about his or her hobby. Which I I'm leaning more towards. I think that's what's going on here. It's a it's, it's an interesting site for a number of reasons. One of the the things that that kind of put me onto this was when you read the reviews and. He has a number of roundup reviews, there are single product reviews, all the usual usual stuff here. It is written in an interesting way. So we talked about giving a specific viewpoint, making a critical judgment, being negative when necessary, and talking about the products in a way that shows that you've used them. So he takes all the boxes here. However, there are no images of, all the images on there are stock photos from the, the manufacturer's site. There are no product in hand images, nothing to really support this. Very little in the way of authorship or any of the the usual EEAT things that you would you'd want to do on a site. Yet, despite that, this the site is still ranking, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised that it, that it is actually yeah, ranking.
0: It looks like the same as many sites that dropped. So
1: it does. Yet they rank for best waterproof headphones right up there with ratings USA Today and uh, these types of sites. So one thing that came up when we were looking at a number of the sites was a few, quite a few of them had pretty strong social presence. And, you know, we talked about brand signals and, and all that. Audio File has a YouTube channel. I think there is a, a YouTube channel called Audio Levels, which has 5,000 subscribers and it's pretty good, right? It's a guy who has all these headphones, these earphones in his hand, talking about them in a pretty, pretty technical way. It's It's like, yeah, hands down kind of video, but in a pretty technical way. And yeah, I mean, this guy clearly knows what he's talking about. However, the only link between these two I found is that on audio levels, channel description, it has audiofileon.com. And then in the in WordPress in the top, right, where that little YouTube symbol is that links to the YouTube channel, the individual videos on YouTube don't link to the individual posts on audio file, And none of the videos are embedded in the posts anywhere else. There's no mention of that YouTube channel anywhere else on the website, which to me is just a little bit strange, but I'm thinking, if this is an affiliate marketer they haven't done a good job of pushing the monetization and you know throwing lots of affiliate links and trying to make the sale again it's very how can i inform the user about information here there feels like they're trying to do that more than sell you a pair of headphones i think that that's a a commonality between safe in the seat they do
0: have black friday deals like last year they had like uh, four videos on black friday deals I didn't do very well but there's a little bit of monetization but not a lot
1: on the site itself you see the word i use a lot so i use this i did this i did this and perspective it, 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 the perspective of this is someone using it and that that personal touch really comes through here they just don't prove it so I was, I was just a little bit suspicious of it and i feel that that may cost the site at some point in the future another interesting thing is they actually target a lot of pretty long tail versus keywords. So they have this like Sony WH-1000XM4 versus WH-1000XM5. And on the surface, that keyword doesn't have that much volume. But what actually happens in a lot of these technical product names is because there's shorter ways to to do it, you can say Sony XM4 versus XM5 or 1000XM4 versus XM5 and all the different permutations of this. When you add it up, even though they're ranking seventh for the main keyword, Ahrefs still estimates again 1.7k traffic per month to that as well. So good takeaway when you're if you're looking at versus keywords is when you have permutations like that, there there could be a lot more volume than initially is suspected, and that's maybe why they they do well for for quite a few of these keywords. Just because and they call the, well as the well. The competition has identified it.
0: Yeah, it's like everyone's looking at best keywords, but really like a lot of these are like very competitive now. It's like vs and alternatives tend to be a lot easier to rank for and. Convert pretty well for reviews. Like we had several sites that were making most of their money for that, especially in the early days. Actually. Yeah.
1: And what's interesting is because a lot of the volumes are really low on Ahrefs, just everybody avoids them, but we've often found them to be much, much higher when you actually. Are ranking for them so it's quite interesting
0: because there's like hundreds of variations quite often so when you add it up it's like it's decent traffic and the conversion rate is decent too so it's like it's almost like when i like if i'm starting an affiliate site i i would actually focus on this first i would not even bother with like best and single review like single review tend to have lower conversion rate than vs and alternatives best tends to be the most com- the best but the most competitive And then VS and alternatives are kind of like the achievable middle grounds in the early days and and where you can start making money basically. So like I would focus on that early on actually. Yeah, so I mean the SERP for
1: that is very interesting. There's like ratings is up there, sound guides, USA Today, Reddit's there. Then there's a, a couple of sites and audio file there, but there's also like a DR16 and a DR12 site yeah, so on, it's on not page so hard, yeah. page one. So that's like, you know, it's a pretty good keyword actually. I was actually having a look in Ahrefs at the historical SERP for that. And it was pretty similar. There was one site, history-computer.com, which to me straight away is like, oh, that is a, that's it's a funny, weird yeah. domain name. Someone's bought that and repurposed it for sure. And uh yeah I mean it looks like your your classic affiliate site. So it's not terrible design by any stretch of the imagination, but it does have that, you know, like thinness in the content. They're not really; they're just telling you this product does this and it's like yeah, regurgitated. It has no opinion. It's regurgitated information from the sales page or the manufacturer's product description. It's just they're telling you about the product and not telling you is it actually good or not and that value judgment is uh is was, was missing so i am possibly some of the reason why that that site's dropped quite a lot in over the last few few months as well yeah i mean overall it's an interesting site i would say first and foremost that i think this is maybe a little bit more teetering on the edge like it Could be affected by future updates, but at the same time, they've weathered the storm pretty well over the last six months. So who knows?
0: I think the writing style is interesting on this one as well. Is concise, like it kind of gets to the point. Again, it focuses on the perspective over the stats, etc. Like you put the stats as like bullets or something, but it's not part of your core content. Like your core content is 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 what you bring in value, and then you just kind of remind people of the stats or the technicalities in in kind of like concise ways on your page. Whereas most lazy writing, you essentially, that's the main content. It's like just reminding people of the stats, et cetera. And that's it. It's like, bam, here's an article. So I see that a lot in the sites that have survived slash done better. So the the writing style and editorial guidelines, it's like, it's a lot, it's quite subtle and it's hard to explain in the podcast, to be frank, but there's a different writing style. So my recommendation, again, potentially copy and paste a bunch of these articles in ChatGPT and have it write editorial guidelines for you That helps you write in the same way. It's it's quite good for that, actually.
1: Yeah, this is the kind of thing that keeps people coming back to a site. So if a new set of earphones comes out, someone that, that has been there before may search for that brand name plus the new headphones to see. Or oh, they stay on the site
0: it. in the first place. Like they have longer time on page. They stay, they visit more pages, et cetera. Better like time on site signal and Google just like, okay, it's not a shit site. And they stay. and also this site has no ads, right?
1: Yep, none at all, which is another commonality we're seeing. No ads or or not too heavy ad layout uh, is, is uh, okay. the other thing.
0: Well, the next the next site we're going to talk about is definitely a little bit heavier on the ads, and that's like HungryHooey.com. That's a recipe site by a Vietnamese Filipino Chinese guy. So very big mix. And But he has a really cool recipe site, the R58, 498k traffic. He started in January 2023 at 478k traffic. He finished 2023 at 520k traffic. So didn't grow a lot, but he it, it kind of like... Cruised through the turbulence just fine. Basically, he ranks for kind of like recipe keywords. So, like one of the big ones is mochi donuts. He ranks for Japanese cucumber salad or how to cook rice in a rice cooker, for example. But he's an example of, um, of a recipe blog that's pretty high quality. And while the design is subtle, there's a lot of like interesting things in there. But I think the cornerstone of this site is the photography, actually. So. The thing is, the guy takes really good photos, like really appetizing photos, and he takes a lot of them.
1: The, the thing is, they're, they're done not in a way that looks like it's a stock photo from a, a professional studio. It's They're really good, but you can tell it's him doing it at home, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like he's good. Like he edits them, and the colors are good, etc. And he's pretty smart. Like uh, he basically uses these photos in the first part of his post, which, like as you know, recipe blogs, they're full of like SEO content at the beginning, and they put the recipe at the end. And so, kind of like to to make you cope with the SEO content that has a bunch of essentially keywords stuck in there. So, like for example, I'm opening a blog post on borderless sauce here. So it's like, what is borderless sauce? Borderless sauce ingredients. Types of wine to use for borderless, using beef stock versus beef bros, etc. So it's like, it's pretty boring, but he has like these really cool photos. So you can have like scroll and watch the photos. And what he has as well is he has on top of the article a jump to the recipe button. So he understands you need to build that post template to rank, where you have all this content above. But he also understands people don't give a shit, and they just want the recipe. And so for Google, he gives the content to Google. And for the user, you click the button, and it scrolls you down exactly to the recipe and the step-by-step instructions, which is uh, what people come for. And like, essentially, like everyone's complaining about recipe blogs for this. Still works, apparently, because he has a blog like that, and it's still working. But he addresses that pretty well through his photography, To not make it boring and to be able to jump
1: one other quick point on the photography it's interesting so a number of the photos are actually vertical orientation rather than horizontal meaning that it's you know designed mobile first in mind
0: yeah so the aspect ratio is quite important because the problem on mobile is you have more vertical space than horizontal space that's a big process we talked about when we worked on the keyword on the screenshot sorry on NotaryHacker.com as we are getting more and more mobile traffic these days. But the thing with the photos is they're also a cornerstone for you to visit more pages on the site. So he's pretty smart with his layout because essentially the first half of the page, is the, the sidebar is all photos of other recipes. And there are these really nice photos there. Yeah, take, I'm so clicking really around, different. looking at all of them now,
1: <laughs> thinking, god, oh, I want to eat some of this stuff. And so, you know?
0: So what happens is you end up diving deeper into the site. Like, it's much harder to go back to Google, for example, to Pogo stick and go back and have this lower time on site because of the photos. Also, when you scroll down, you'll notice when you scroll back up, Mark, it actually pops a bar above the menu with more photos of recipes. That makes you want to click on them, so you check what they are. And so he's really good at making you visit more pages on the site. which. On one end, makes him more money with ads because more ad impressions. And on the second hand, increases his time on site, engagement, and all these metrics that Google's probably looking at when they're doing these big core updates on what they're doing HCUs, et cetera. So while the design is very simple, like because he understands his photos are so good and appetizing, he has used that as a honeypot for people to not leave the site. And, and it's done very smartly. The guy is monetized with Mediavine, so I think that's a like he's breaking a lot of actually uh, stereotypes that people have been pushing with uh, the HCU, right? So he has a blog roll on the homepage, which like a lot of people at the beginning of HCU is like, oh, sites with a blog roll on the homepage, they got killed, etc. This guy's doing just fine. He runs Mediavine, which a lot of people, Mediavine is like, uh, it's not good, etc. However, the ads above the folder are tamed. Like Basically, the only thing you see above the fold is this kind of like bottom sticky ad, and as you scroll, eventually there's one in the sidebar, but you will notice quite a bit of ads inside the content area. Here, he's pretty heavy, but below the fold. But the thing is, like at the beginning, I saw it was just him, and I saw he was being smart, but then I went to visit a bunch of other media by inside, and I have noticed something similar. My guess is Mediavine has changed the way they, they show ads on their websites and they've understood that they were too aggressive above the fold. because they used to be like, you know, ads in the headers, etc. Like it used to be a lot more. And so I don't know if this guy is being smart or if Mediavine has adjusted how they do things. I don't know they would if they would even acknowledge that they've updated things because that would, Essentially, say that they think they might be responsible for some drops. So I, I can't. And I'm sure uh, it's the same for Raptive and all these other ads companies. I'm not saying it's just MediaVine, but yeah, I'm noticing like a, a bit of a change in in the layout on MediaVine sites. So I can't tell if this guy is being smart or if uh, uh, if that's done uh, or if that's MediaVine that has changed things. So yeah, and and the content is like again, uh, the content, the SEO content is honestly SEO content. Like it's not amazing. <laughs> it's like I think the image is kind of like really sell it to you more than the, the actual content. But yeah, overall, this site is, is being pretty smart. I think he's, they're winning through user engagement and using the photos. What's surprising, though, is he's not doing that well on social. And that was an interesting thing as well. It's like we've seen several sites that use social as a way to get branded traffic, etc. I think this guy probably gets branded traffic just because people have a good experience, and he's kind of like memorable because he's not doing that well on Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram. Like I've checked them, you know, it's okay. Like, but it's it's nothing to write home about. He has 6,700 followers on Instagram, which is very bad for how good his photos are. Um, I think he should do a lot better and maybe hire some help or something. Same with Pinterest. It's not, he has 4.5K followers. So it's, for, for a food blogger, it's it's pretty low. So that, I think there's a lot to learn from this. this well, one, simple, one other interesting
1: thing is the, again, blog comments. Uh, there's a lot of them on this site, and uh, he's very active in responding to them. Uh, so like 10 years ago or something, most people started moving away from blog comments just because there was uh, they get spammed so much, even if you have you know the defense plugins and all that sort of stuff. But maybe, we're seeing this a lot here, there's an argument to, to bring
0: them back in, in some situations. That's true, and Google likes the UGC, and essentially, I think what we're seeing is the sites that are not doing well on social are tend to have an active comment section. And it's kind of like it, it kind of makes up for it. So they have a way to interact with people, whether that's through comments or through social media. But there there's there's always kind of a way to interact with people. They don't just operate Autonomously, not thinking of their visitors, not talking to them, not doing anything like that's that's another thing.
1: Google introduced different rel tags a few years ago. So before, you used to have you know no follow rel equals nofollow next to a link and supposedly wouldn't count it. Introduced rel equals sponsored and rel equals ugc a few years ago now, and not too many people actually did much with that. But I think a lot of the WordPress plugins now and the tools that allow comment sections. Will make the links and comments now UGC links, and I'm not sure if that's sending some kind of it's signal now. But it feels like that could be could be making an impact here yeah. by actually using that that uh, tag properly.
0: I guess yeah. I guess it's like it's easy. For- For Google to tell us the comment section just through the use of that of that rel, but it's actually built into WordPress I think now, so it's like it's built into the WordPress comment section. But yeah, just the fact that it's active, there's a bunch of UGC links. It uh, it can tell there's UGC. Now there's actually UGC schema markup. I don't know if you will mark that up on your. It's made for forums, but potentially you could (laughs) mark up your comments and then also kind of like become more of a UGC site that way. Um, So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, this site does a lot right even though it looks simple and has done just fine through the updates despite the fact that they're not like a massive site like again they're DR DR58 which is okay but DR58 when you have that like, quality of photos that people probably use a lot online etc it's not that much actually like it's it's not very high and I don't think in the recipe space, it's it's a very high authority site. Basically, I don't think they're winning because of that. So it's pretty interesting. What did we learn today? Like, what are the things? That- what are the
1: three top takeaways here? Then you know, if you're starting a new site tomorrow, what do you need to be thinking based on what we've observed here? The obvious thing to me is when niche selection very important. You need to. Either be some kind of an expert or get into the niche in a a, a, one. a big yeah. way and really commit to that. You can't be, your job can't be to be a marketer. It needs to be to be that person in the niche that does the business as well.
0: I think the toning down of monetization or being a bit smarter is like, you know, how many ads you have, how many affiliate links you have on your project. Et it might be a thing, actually. Uh, I really like the idea of the quiz. So that you can still kind of like heavily promote that and drive traffic to that, make money, but at the same time really cut down the number of affiliate link on the page, for example. I think that's a, a pretty good way to do it. Also
1: having a, a plan for monetization beyond just affiliate and ads. So, you know, courses or consultations or various other things that these, these sites are doing as well is quite interesting.
0: Yeah, like some blogs are living with just their blogs. So like Shavercheck and HungryHui, they're really just mostly blogs. So it's still possible. So if you really don't want to be on social, that's possible, but the trade-off is they have an active comment section, and they engage there. And the people who don't have an active comment section tend to be active on at least one platform, which potentially these things are, dri- like, the way I'm seeing it is like, it potentially drives brand searches, and it gets people like, you know, when you interact with, com- with uh, on the comments on the site, you remember it more, you're more likely to check it out, especially that recipe site. Like, I can see how people would go back. <laughs> the shaver site, I mean, there's like 600, 800 comments on the post, so yeah, people do engage. <laughs> so it's like you need to kind of like find one way you're going to interact with people whether that's through social or through your comment section that's something that uh, i've seen and also just in general like the page experience apart from this doctor of running which is particularly bad and i guess audiophilion is like not amazing hungry Hughes is
1: is the page experience the the, the imagery aspect is is strong but everything else is it's mediocre let's call it that
0: Okay, well, I, I personally like Pack Hacker a lot. Like, um, I really do. I want to pick some stuff up from them. I've definitely added it to my list of inspirations of websites, and Google loves it too, obviously. All right, well, that's pretty much everything we've learned about these websites today. I hope this was useful. We are going to be posting more of these on our communities. So if you're a member, you will be seeing this kind of post where we break down like a single site here and there, and that's going to essentially hopefully be helpful to you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, don't forget to subscribe, like, click on the bell, drop a comment so we can engage with the community. And we'll see you in the next episode in two weeks. Bye-bye.